Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, So, um, my guest this week, we've gone down the the route that I've been trying to um, get a guest on for so, so long. Um, and thanks to an awesome recommendation um, by a previous guest, um, I've managed to get somebody from the internal recruitment space onto the podcast uh, this week. So my guest is Trish Young, who works for, uh, I'm going to get this wrong again, I know I am, it's Fisher German. Fisher German. <laughs> I always want to say German Fisher. I don't know why. Um, so Trish Young from um, from Fisher German. Um, Trish, do you want to? I'll just kind of pass over to you. We've just said where you're from. Yeah. Um, I did say. I said before we started this. I said I'll let you say who you are and where you're from, and then I've just literally stolen your thunder. But... It's, it's fine. It's it's a good thing we're okay saying the company now. <laughs> I know. I know. Um... I literally said, "Don't worry if you don't want to say the company," because not everybody have not always everybody does and then I've just slipped up um myself oh, by saying it but Don't you worry. said you were okay it's, to say it anyway it, absolutely so yeah no as you as you rightly said I, I work for Fisher German I'm the the talent acquisition manager there um and have been there for um gosh just about two and a half years now feels like yesterday but uh but yeah been there for two and a half years and probably two of the hardest two and a half yeah. years literally joined right smack middle of the pandemic so it was um yeah interesting completely remote uh interview process oh no actually i did manage to have a face-to-face interview at final started and then two weeks later the whole country got put into lockdown again so two weeks into a new role that was it at home with a laptop trying to figure out how a business works um from a screen which uh had its challenges but so happy things have opened up now it's, it's much easier <laughs> good i mean hopefully we'll when we get round to it we'll we'll kind of talk we'll touch upon that again of um yeah it seems a long time ago that we were doing a lot of kind of everybody through that period was doing kind of remote um you know joining organizations on a remote basis but we'll maybe kind of touch upon that when we get to it because there were there were a lot of challenges i think with that 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 i was hearing from candidates about they didn't necessarily feel part of of the organization Um, and i saw people join and leave without ever having met anybody or you know they felt like Mm -hmm. a contractor for a period um but yeah so you've you've essentially got uh, maria to thank for um (laughs) proposing you um for for today's episode um did she actually mention to you that she was going to recommend you she, it was did I very... just message her out of the blue? <laughs> no, I think she she popped me a little message and it's like, oh, do you have a few, five, you know, a few, three minutes? I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And gave her a call. And she's like, look, um, you know, got a great development opportunity for you. And it's it's a well-known in-joke in the HR team uh, at Fisher German that when Maria says that she has a development opportunity for you, you're either going to, to love it or hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she said that obviously she'd been a guest before. She she found it quite helpful and she listened to um, your last podcast when you said that you'd be interested to, to have a guest on that worked in the recruitment space. So she was straight on the phone, uh, sold the dream to me and, and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah and, she, she dropped me a message and said um, oh I've got somebody to be brilliant for your podcast and, and I, at the time and I was like she, yeah she just listened to that that episode where I was yeah. I was saying I was looking for somebody um so let's kind of roll back then because um you know I often say uh people don't when they're when they're kind of a child don't anticipate of you know getting into a career in HR even more so I would say with recruitment yeah. um you know I the only reason I ever got into recruitment was I'd kind of um I'd done university I'd been traveling for a year um I didn't want to go back to my hometown of Blackpool 
so one of my friends was moving to um to the Midlands to Derby um and I I just it was the the friend I've been traveling with so I I kind of thought big bright lights big city um moved with him and was just going through the um the newspapers and looking at adverts not having a clue of anything I wanted to do and I just kept saying recruitment with this big kind of OTE and then a number and then I had to go and ask what OTE meant um <laughs> and I just thought well I want to be earning you know 50 60 70 thousand pounds a year which was absolute you know twaddle um and I just applied for it and just got the first job and I didn't even on day one when I started I didn't actually know what the job was that that I'd just been employed to do so I think recruitment definitely is you know even more so than HR something that is very alien to a lot of people and they don't even know it's you know it's a route out there so what was your your story and I, I know looking at your LinkedIn you went to university talk to me about kind of that then that um what was your degree was it business management business yeah business management so y- university for me was something that uh, it, it was kind of a non-negotiable in my family um I kind of had the uh only child syndrome so all, all hopes were, were placed on me had anybody and, from your family been to university before no no right. no one no one had uh, um been before so it was very much a as they all, all hopes and dreams pinned pinned on um me who they they assumed would go to university because I was a huge bookworm you know I was a massive daydreamer at school and 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 just was happy you know sitting in a corner with a book rather than anything else so quite tragic really when I think about it but my my wife is exactly the same my wife would say we don't need a tv because there's books and I look at it with this odd expression on my face going we do need a tv no we absolutely do (laughs) I can't watch football in a book (laughs) yeah (laughs) read read about it play by play yeah but so so yeah, for me it was a a I guess a element of rebellion at, at that stage because for being a you know someone that grew up in Northern Ireland there was only ever really two choices for university and it was either you know Queens and Belfast or um, the university um, up up north a little bit and I knew at that point if I did this I would never leave Northern Ireland it would you know it would just be that for the for the rest of my life and. I had a little bit of rebellion and, and applied for every university except ones in Northern Ireland <laughs> and chose a a little one just outside of Liverpool called um, Edgehill University. Yeah. Tiny little town called Ormskirk. Um, Not beautiful. too far from where I'm based right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, honestly, it was the best choice I ever could have made for, for university because it was all on campus. You know, I, I didn't have to travel various different locations to get to various different uh, campuses it was all there in one place it, as stupid as it sounds it had a beautiful lake you know there was there was ducks there was trees it was very open it was quite really modern facilities it, it was it was an up-and-coming university at that time it has since then um one university of the year which I'm quite proud about <laughs> having having been there but um yeah it just best three years of my life really and I knew I didn't really know what I wanted to do um my dad and I had always talked about owning something one day you know whether that would be like a little um property portfolio or a cafe or a hotel like we were always sort of bouncing ideas so business management seemed like what did your dad do? he's retired now but um he he used to work in retail um and used to kind of manage various different operational experience with your yeah. kind of theory that you would have got from university that was kind of going to be the the dream team that was that yeah that was the dream and he was all he's, he still is like a, a an amateur investor let's call it <laughs> for, for lack of a better term but uh that makes yeah. it sound like he puts forward a lot of money but doesn't necessarily get a lot back on his return. <laughs> he has won a couple of times but let's just say I think he I think he invested in Flybee at one point and we we all know unfortunately what's happened with Flybee so um you win some you lose some let's let's just say that but he yeah he, he kind of instilled in me a, a really strong kind of work ethic from the get-go you know that I, I, I feel like there's a stereotype with only children they're they're either you know perhaps a little bit spoiled and you know everything's kind of given to them or you know parents are incredibly hard on them 
to kind of get them to be to be self-sufficient and, and they're naturally self-sufficient because they didn't have uh, you know siblings to to rely on and whatnot and um I think definitely uh my my parents and particularly my dad kind of instilled that self-sufficient <laughs> streak from from quite early on um but do you, yeah do you identify with that I'm, I know it's a bit kind of um I don't know philosophical but um you were obviously aware of that and do you do you see that in yourself now then that um you do kind of put in the hard graft I think I think so there's there's an element of you you know despite the fact that I'm I'm well into my career now and, and, and you know very much an adult but there is still that that element of the still kind of the hopes and dreams are, are kind of pinned pinned on me and I am quite happy with with my own company I, you know I've never needed to be in a big group or or whatnot um I, I struggle actually with one-on-one conversations the most I do that doesn't bode well for this does it I know <laughs> it's so it's, it's something I've had to massively work on um throughout my career and even just general general life really particularly when it came to friendship groups one, one-on-one conversations I've, I've always had a level to them whereas if I'm in a group I'm quite happy to be a listener exactly, yeah. put forward ideas like I'll, I'll engage and I'll feel much more comfortable in that scenario but when it's one-on-one and when you have to you know put yourself forward and you have to put ideas forward in that scenario then yes I have had to do a lot of work on feeling comfortable with that and and kind of not being in a corner with my book <laughs> um not not being paid attention to like that's that's the ideal for me so this th- this scenario is is me getting on I mean you are for everyone you know who can't see this I mean um Trish is sweating profusely yeah looks highly uncomfortable <laughs> with my huge yeti mug (laughs) (laughs) very much outside econ for that no you 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 wouldn't tell that you know for Mm. um yeah i've got a big thing about um the more you put yourself in the uncomfortable the more comfortable it eventually becomes you obviously have done that a number of times um because you seem very comfortable in a one-to-one situation you know we were chatting before we started recording and um very easy to talk to so i would i wouldn't have expected you to have said that it's you know it's ironic really because that started with um what what my 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 first role really um because you know being in university doing business you kind of sail through and and then third year it kind of hits you that you have to kind of go out into the real world world after this and you kind of think oh god you know what what have i been doing for the past three years (laughs) you know we're talking about this just before we started recording weren't we that um I was saying a lot of people choose a degree um, either because they they took a subject that they enjoyed. You know, I often see people come out with like um, a fine arts degree, and I think, oh, like where's that going to take you with a you know in a down a vocational route? So so people naturally choose something that they're passionate about, um, but very rarely do we think, or I wouldn't even say think. I don't think we're necessarily guided. Um, mm. You know, a, a kind of when you're coming out of, of kind of college and looking at university routes, they don't necessarily say what are your aspirations thereafter because, you know, this course would be best for you or this course would be best for you. You're just kind of left to your own devices to to kind of choose what you want. Um, and I think if you, you know, I was a bit like you, I was kind of first person in our family to ever go to university and there wasn't really kind of any um, guidance from my my mum um because it wasn't like she knew what to do or what to advise either and, and I, I i started off doing one degree and ended up changing to do business management um but i found business management it was a bit generic it, it kind of didn't push me down one route because it, it just kind of skimmed over kind of everything um but yeah I, I do feel that you know not many people really go into university thinking about how that degree might give them a springboard to kind of work in life thereafter. Um, so you were, you were kind of saying, so you and your dad kind of had this kind of, you know, idea of, of kind of setting up a business one day. So, so did you go into doing a business management degree thinking, okay, well, that'll give me some kind of foundations to, you know, finance, marketing, HR, um, 
whatever else you might come yeah, with that. <laughs> yeah no I, I, absolutely it was kind of done as a um you know if, if we do end up doing that then you know at least it's it had it had some relevance because uh, as you say you you kind of lean towards what you enjoyed at school and there was a time where I was kind of looking at um, English literature degrees because I loved obviously reading literature uh, you know it, it made sense but I think it was like a couple of months before I was due to go I thought you know what am I doing like what what is this going to achieve after you know university and no you know absolutely no disrespect to, to people studying that because it's I mean I, I probably would have enjoyed it far more as a degree but for um, you know for me kind of looking forward I thought well what you what what do I need um and I, that that's the the time that I kind of decided to, ch- to change to business um management and then by year three I was kind of thinking well I quite like England I don't know if I want to go back to Northern Ireland <laughs> and that kind of put a bit of a, a spanner in the works of the you know the the empire that uh, that my dad and I were going to build but I think that that happens I think when you leave home to go to university it's very much one of two ways you either go back straight away or you you don't um and you you kind of forge I guess a path for yourself and sometimes you go back sometimes you stay away uh, forever but thankfully you know Northern Ireland is a 45 minute flight away so it's it's certainly not uh, inaccessible by any means but yeah there I was third year uh currently writing my dissertation thinking oh god I need to <laughs> I need to do something I need to I need to figure out a plan and we ended up going to I say we my friend and I ended up going to one of a a career fair that was just being held by various you know different local employers in in the northwest and ended up at the stand for Highworth Morris who are a you know small agency in the northwest that kind of have a real sort of core functionality for for finance and hr and um bruce one of the um i think he, i think he's actually now one of the um business owners of it uh, i'm sure he'll correct me if i'm wrong now but he's, he's certainly high up in there now um he was chatting and as as with mojo agents uh, at the time you know incredibly charming very easy to talk to uh you know selling the dream of of agency life and um thought why not you know did you understand uh, what it was then so so you kind of you're you're going on the kind of careers fair you're talking to different um businesses who are there presenting you come across this kind of company howarth morris um hi so what do you do um we're a recruitment agency we like what's that mm. and then him explaining it's, it yeah it's 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 difficult really because the the overall kind of you know understanding it's it's easy to understand you know you, you look for people to you know place in companies for a role and and that is that that is it in a nutshell really but you don't i don't think you can ever really understand as a as a you know a pure graduate with no um job knowledge or, or market knowledge it, it's incredibly difficult to understand everything that, that that encompasses that and we you know we 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 had the interview we had the chats um and I'll, I'll always remember he described me as having like a really like he meant it as a compliment he said like I had a really nervous energy like he he and that really stuck with me throughout that because I do go through periods of being quite energetic but that does come across as as you know, particularly as a as a young graduate who had been very much kind of introverted, you know, her whole life, that that nervous energy and him telling me that that would actually suit well to recruitment, um, because you know that is that ability to be relatable, to to be authentic, you know, to to kind of you know resonate with you know with with people. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go, um, and it was a car crash from start to finish. <laughs> well I wasn't expecting you to say that it was all doing so well do you know it was it was the it was the most wonderful company to start my recruitment career I I cannot thank um you know it's Bruce and and Paul and Sean you know I I cannot thank them enough for giving me a chance and and kind of giving me my introduction in into the recruitment world but my god I am not suited to agency life it was just too it was um you know if if, you know someone you know you're you're ringing a client and a doing that as a a very introverted person terrifying 
what is this calling people? You know, we, we text each other now. <laughs> we don't call them. Um, and, you know, saying, you know, well, you know, I've got this candidate or, you know, is there any way that we can, you know, begin a relationship with you, you know, whatever it may be. And for the, the client to turn around and say, no, I would go, okay. <laughs> I just, and there is no, there, there is just no, um, pushing me to kind of um I, I am not I am not a salesperson you know I I I do not have that skill set I will never have that skill set and I think pretty I think I've just about managed six six months and I just thought I can't I, just, I can't so can um, I ask something at any point because because I I have this I guess slight um frustration within the um within the kind of the recruitment and staffing industry because i you know I, I explained my story i just went through a newspaper um saw trainee recruitment consultant didn't know what it was you know back then as well these weren't the job adverts that you get digitally on job boards you know this was a um a little bit in a in a page in a newspaper and you had to pay by size so companies were going as minimal as they could so <laughs> the cost was less and it literally would say trainee recruitment consultant um maybe base salary sometimes not even that might maybe just ote you know some big number to to kind of that was the kind of the carrot to entice you in mm. ring this number um and that and that was it you'd like you were applying off a job title and a and a salary um and at no point was it ever explained to me so would you be comfortable at, at picking up the phone and ringing people who you've never spoken to, they probably don't want to take your phone call, but in some way you're going to have to try and keep that conversation going as long as possible. And at the end of it, try and convince them that, you know, should they need your services, you are the person to go to. It was never explained to me like that. It was explained to me probably similar to you. Well, what you do is a client has a vacancy and then you try and find the right person and, and marry it together. Now, that is the the, the kind of mechanism of, of recruitment, but the actual job of a recruitment consultant um, is invariably a sales job. Mm. But isn't, they, they very much forget to tell that or explain that or check even if you're comfortable with that bit. And it's almost like, well, let's just get them in and you know let's hire five people we expect there to be some natural kind of attrition within that um you know three of them will be expendable as long as we get two good ones out of it then you know that was a good recruitment campaign you think wouldn't it just be easier to be really transparent from the very beginning do we, you know ironically recruiters are supposed to be the recruitment experts yet I think when they recruit into their own organizations, it's it's all close, you know, smoke and mirrors. And it isn't the role isn't explained as transparently as it should be doing. So was it ever explained to you that, you know, like you say, it's fairly introverted personality type. Um stepping out of your comfort zone was was kind of having one to ones. You know, yeah. picking and, up a phone and cold calling people must have give you the heebie jeebies. It was awful. Like even thinking about it now, it, it brings on a bit of a sweat. But <laughs> um, you know, to, to to their credit, they they did tell me. You know, they they said well, it was it was very one of the much, few that did then. Yeah, as they you know, there was such a, a say small agent. You know, they were an independent agency. Um, they didn't have you know the the big kind of training programs that you know the the large agencies have and. Um, they you know they they were incredibly good and, and incredibly supportive they um told me that i would find it uncomfortable you know initially and that i you know I, I would be more comfortable with it and they would support and they would guide me and whatnot which they did and, and they tried to but let's face it if you're if you're not if there comes not a certain that way. Point, yeah <laughs> if there comes a certain point where you're just like it, it's just it's just not for me and that that kind of just threw everything out the window because i you know i kind of made the decision to stay in the northwest you know at that point um i moved over to manchester um i i'd made the decision i i had you know committed to a living arrangement you know a, a rented accommodation and now i find myself in a career that i wasn't enjoying and it was a real moment of 
crap like what <laughs> what am I doing um and all sorts flew through my head you know do I do I go back uh do I go back home <laughs> you know do I, do I you know run away back to, to Northern Ireland and with my tail between my legs or do I uh go back to university and do my master's because I loved um studying you know I, I've always loved learning and, and you know loved studying or do I try and find another job that that's more suited and it was so strange how it came about but one of um the clients that Highworth Morris worked with um she, and we we got on fairly well as as any kind of um in-house uh, agency can be to a young and upcoming uh recruitment consultant but she had moved over to uh, a company called TWI I, I I just remember thinking because I looked at their website and I was like oh they're, they're not a they're not a company like what um are a, a, an internal company they're a consultancy it's like why on earth have you moved from internal recruitment into consultancy like I couldn't understand it um because even in that short space of time it th- that was the given you know you move from agency into internal you don't go from internal into agency or it's, it's you know it's very rare so I reached out to her and I said look just out of interest what are you doing what are you thinking (laughs) (laughs) and she messaged back she said oh no it's it's not quite like that it's it's not you know the type of agency work that you're used to come and have a coffee and I'll I'll explain and that was it that was it you know um, as soon as I found out kind of the work that TWI did I joined and so were you were you still working at Howarth Morris at that point or were you out I I took a break at that point um yeah because I I I, didn't I was want... only asking because I was just thinking for her to invite you for a coffee, she was obviously, you generally invite someone for a coffee if you're wanting to get something out of that conversation. Yeah. So was, she was obviously tapping you up to some degree. <laughs> well, they they were recruiting at the time. So it, it kind of did sort of fall in quite quite nicely. And I just, we had a really kind of open and honest chat. And I just said, look, I, I just don't think recruitment's for, for me. Like I, I tried, I failed. I was absolutely shocking at it. And she's like, well, take me like take me through that you know what what elements were you not good at and what elements did you enjoy and I was like oh don't get me wrong like I love chatting to people you know I, I love finding out their stories I mean I'm, I'm Irish for God's sake like you know <laughs> stories are are my thing you know <laughs> you know on a night out you know I'm the person at the bar talking to like the the older person that's been there for years finding out their story rather than kind of joining in on on whatever's going on going on um on on the other side but um yeah, you know, I, I kind of explained that I I loved the relationship piece and I loved the, you know, just just helping you know people as as, as cliche as it as it sounds. It's you know I, I liked the people aspect of it, but I didn't I, I wasn't good and I didn't want to do the the sales aspect of yeah, it. For me, I I define that as the actual the art of recruitment. You know, the mm. the skill of understanding the role. What what's the brief? You tell me, you know, what it is that you're looking for, and then you using your tools, your capability, your skills as a recruiter to go out and find that. That that's why I get really frustrated within the industry because I think it's a service-based industry, not a sales-based industry. That mm. we're looking at two very different things, I think. Um, and and in the kind of the agency setting, the sales bit almost becomes the the kind of the the major aspect of it and I don't think it should I think you know Mm -hmm. if you if you do the art of recruitment really really well you create a good name for yourself that you know the the sales bit shouldn't have to then do that cold calling or if you're going to have that model split it because people who are really good on the phone and doing the selling aren't probably the good at doing the research and going out and finding people and and you Mm -hmm. and you are in a danger of them I've seen this so so many times. Overselling a role, so they they basically put in a lot of white lies to both the candidate and the client to try and get that sale, you know, over the line. And just for the sake of you know, they're, they're selling. That's essentially what they do. And and I don't think that makes a good necessarily recruiter. Um, so I I see them as kind of two different roles. But in terms of what you're talking about, I very much see that as the the art of recruiting, which is the essence of what the job actually should be. It's the the consultancy side around recruiting, not selling to try and kind of you know get us to be the the, the recruitment agency of choice. I think that's a different proposition altogether. 
Yeah, and I th- I I would absolutely agree, and that that is how you know TWI w- was set up. There was a, a client team that managed the relationships with with the clients and and did that. I guess that selling piece and and that negotiation piece, and then there were the the delivery teams, which um, was the the side that I I was on. But I think that model's becoming more. Yeah, more I think it absolutely apparent. needs to. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's certainly those who. You know, as in any walk of life, why you know we don't always have to do it the way it was always done. And I think a lot of agencies are now starting to um, identify that. You know, you're hearing kind of different kind of models come up within this this sector. I'm not going to harp on about it too much because yeah. you know, people listening aren't necessarily interested about agency life. Um, but I do kind of see that that kind of change happening, kind of more and more in these different models of of kind of recruitment agency happening. Right, everyone, we're going to interrupt the conversation to bring you some information on one of our own very favorite businesses, a company called Tenspace. We've been huge supporters of their work ever since the beginning and just absolutely love their approach to the world of engagement. However, I'm going to let Bethan from Tenspace tell you more about what they do. Hi, I'm Bethan Corley, Commercial Director at Tenspace. I just wanted to let you know a little bit about who we are and what we do. We've developed an employee engagement platform that supports organisations to build highly engaged, high-performing teams. We elevate the employee experience by bringing efficiency, professionalism and simplicity to gathering employee feedback. For people teams, it reduces months of work into minutes with built-in tools to help you understand your feedback and quickly action it. For employees, it offers a simple, trustworthy and engaging way to provide anonymous feedback via WhatsApp, SMS and email. Find out more on our website, tenspace.co.uk. Okay, so you so you had a chat with this kind of um, ex-client. Um, it all sounded great. Um, I guess she then said, oh, and we are recruiting once she'd been through, you know, what do you yeah. like and what don't you like? <laughs> I think I think at that point it, it when it became obvious that it was that like it, it was an opportunity that that kind of could I could move forward with. I think at that point I, I was absolutely at a crossroads. I was either, you know, and and at that point it was very much do I go back and study or do I try again? You know, do I try again and, and try to see if if this is this is for me and I decided to, to try it again you know it was and it, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in terms of that that role um really that is where I grew to have the the skill set that I have now because the the work was so different you know that they did everything from kind of um six-week executive headhunting assignments where I was looking for VPs of marketing for for really large global companies you know COOs um you know CEOs at, at one point and that was a really sort of different skill set you know it was very much um research and it was very much trying to understand you know the the scope of the roles it was and actually it was the easier part of it as well because for for some reason the higher levels you go you're actually a lot more comfortable and kind of talking about what you do and you're a lot more engaging with having those kind of informal conversations rather than kind of um middle management level where they're a bit hesitant to have a conversation unless they're kind of a little bit more ready to to, to have a move so it was it was everything from that all the way down to i worked on rpo agreements um with companies you know i i worked on um the uh at that point the avon account so i was looking so for... for any listener that isn't aware of an rpo that stands for oh yeah good point process, <laughs> process outsourcing so what that would mean is avon might come to um talent works and say you know we just want you we need this this many roles this types of you know profile we're just going to give it to you and you will just deliver on that that kind of project for us um so they're basically outsourcing the whole of the recruitment process to a company that would just pr- essentially project manage that piece of activity um and deliver upon that so yeah, yeah. anybody listening that's kind of what that means <laughs> that's a very good point all, all these little acronyms that we have in uh, in recruitment but yeah I, I worked on two rpo uh sorry three rpo agreements uh during my time there and i think that's 
that's when the seed was planted that I would would have been perhaps more suited to to work in the the internal side of things because that relationship building with with line managers not that influencing piece and and, and essentially advising them on, on kind of what they should be doing to, to reach the the goals that they want to achieve and um, there is an element within that with an RPO agreement but there is always that or, or usually there there is always that line you know there, there is only so much influencing you can do there is only so much you can um you know be there and and, and whatnot and during the the three or so years that I was with uh, TWI they had two offices one in Manchester and one in Northampton um I obviously started off in the Manchester office because I was living in Manchester at the time and but their their main office was was in Northampton and at that point I had very few ties um personally uh, it, it wasn't too much of a um hindrance really to to relocate so I decided to relocate to be to be closer to the to the main office and kind of uh, build the relationships up with the Northampton office. Um, they were in the process of opening up a, a new office space as well, which was really lovely. Um, and I'll always miss Manchester. Actually, Manchester was just fantastic. Uh, the, those two years in Manchester were. I still go up now to to see friends. So there's there's something very very special um, about Manchester. I still miss Manchester. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've lived I've lived tons of places, um, and I'm still close. You know, I'm kind of less than an hour drive from Manchester, but you know, with kids, you don't get to go, <laughs> go no. as much. But I, there is there is just something about about Manchester that. Um, yeah, you, you kind of fall in love with the place, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. And, and it changes so, you know, there's so much investment going on there. It changes kind of so much as well. But I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Northampton, very different proposition. It's, you know. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't uh, perhaps hold as uh, as, as many. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I prefer Manchester. <laughs> Not the hustle, bustle and the skyscrapers yeah. and no, nightlife and very, restaurants. Very, yeah, very different. Um, but it was, as I say, a, a good opportunity. And again, it, it's funny how, the, how these things work because um, TWI was in the same business park as uh, Shoesmiths, which is where I ended up next. And I was getting to the point where I was progressing within TWI and I, and I could have kept progressing there. Like there, there was a, there was a career path open to me, but obviously it was, it was within the, that, that project space, whether it was an RPO, whether it was an executive headhunting piece, you know, whatever it may be. And there, a, a role came up at Shoesmiths for, you know, a, a recruitment advisor um, to, to look after like Shoesmiths as, as a whole. And in that case, we, we looked at it I looked at it and I thought, well, actually, is this a point where I need to, you know, have a little bit of a change and and move forward? So I had a chat with um, Fran, who was the talent acquisition manager at the time. And she sort of told me a little bit about the internal side of things, how it's different, how you're kind of working within an HR team rather than you know anything else and it's it's a lot more aligned it's a lot more sort of commercially you need to be a lot more commercially aware because it was a business at the end of the day and you needed to you know help that business and it was a partnership it was all it was all very different um so I thought why not <laughs> why you know why not take the plunge go into the the internal space and see if I liked it and, and was it was it that different so listening to what you where you've kind of come from you're you weren't doing any of the sales side of it. You were, you were working on kind of briefs and um, some kind of RPO projects for some clients, and then you you heard about this opportunity, Shoesmiths, um, kind of moved. Ultimately, did kind of make that that transition over there. So obviously, once you kind of settled in, what did you notice as the key differences between working internally versus working kind of agency side? Uh, it it is it is so different. It is a I I would almost say it's a completely different career path to um working recruitment with with, with an agency. 
for, firstly, because I, th- and I think this is a stumbling block for a lot of people who kind of perhaps want to go internal, but have um, previously worked in an agency, you're not going to be rewarded as well financially. You know, there there is no commission, you know, there is no, um, re- you know, really large bonuses. You know, it's, you, you do it for a different reason. You know, you don't do it for a sale, you do it to, you know, help a growing team you know help a struggling team to to kind of reach their goals it's a lot more influencing and negotiation than what you will ever do in an agency and I know that sounds so strange when you're obviously negotiating fees and you're negotiating kind of working on a role but it's a very different type of negotiation you have to get the buy-in from the rest of the business otherwise your role is going to become incredibly difficult um, Elaborate on that a little bit more if you can then, because that's an interesting point. I think it's it's really about the a, a team, you know, wh- whether it's whether it's a legal firm or whether it's a surveying firm or any, you know, in any kind of industry, if a team has done their recruitment in a certain way for so long, and particularly now as more and more companies are investing in internal recruitment teams, it's different for them. It's change and no one likes change. You kind of have to really bring people along if if you're going to change anything. So if they have, you know, a, a particular um, way that they find candidates or if they have a particular sort of relationship with an agency, they, they are going to do that because that is what they're used to. That is what, you know, gets them the results and, and that's what they want. They They don't necessarily have an awareness of everything else around them. If they get the person in at the end of the day, that's all they care about. Um, so a lot of it is an education piece. A lot of it is um, letting them understand that, you know, you are an extension of their team. You know, you, it, anything from sitting with them to understand what it is they do day to day. If you if you do not understand what a line manager does in their day to day, they, they are not going to understand what you do day to day. It has to go both ways. You, that communication piece is crucial. Um, and you have to show them, you know, you have to show them what that value is. You have to show them the value that, that you bring as an internal recruitment function, particularly if it's a new function or a very uh, fledging function. And that that skill set is, you know, it can take a long time. It can take a long, long time. And then there you will have that light bulb moment and they will get it. And it's just the most amazing feeling when they finally turn around to you and say, do you know what, actually, that, that's that been really, really helpful. Thank you. You know, when you've gone from, I don't really see the point in having an internal recruitment team to that's really helpful. I can, I can see that. Thank you. That journey, that journey can be a week, two months, three months, a year, five years. You have to, you have to become invested. Um, do you know one of the simplest, it was so, so simple, but one of the things that I found people really, really, really appreciated was helping them through an interview. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of managers when I when I went to Tilly who weren't confident interviewers. Um, you know, they were maybe a finance manager or an engineering manager. They were great at their craft put them into an interview where they were then you know assessing somebody suitable for their team and and many times they were a bag of nerves and and they just felt that kind of reassurance by maybe the me kind of coaching them through it or I used to when I was in I loved to sit in on every interview um now that's not always feasibly possible I understand that but in the organisation I was at, I was I was able to do that. Um, actually, in both internal roles that I did, um, I was able to do that. Um, and I, and I often got you know feedback of saying, "Do you know what? Thank you for that." Or I'd come in with a different line of questioning that they'd never kind of thought of of going down. Um, I remember one sales director. Um, he used to love me coming in because he was going, oh, ask that question again, ask that question again. Because <laughs> I'd always, it was kind of, I'd come up with very out of the box. Um, I, I knew kind of what I wanted to get and I'd come up with a kind of a different um, kind of format of questioning. And he used to, he used to love it. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was so, so simple. It was just really, sometimes even just being in the room mm. and just knowing that they weren't by themselves 
going through that interview um you know it's it's hugely yeah it's it's absolutely hugely helpful i mean you're you're right it's it's sometimes not feasibly possible to do it but we always recommend you know at, at fresh german that at least two people are are there at interviews because it's you can never really listen to someone and take notes it yeah. it's just not doable um but yeah having you know we were implementing sort of line manager um interview technique training um helping them to kind of have the the skill set that they need to, to interview being there for them if they if they don't have that skill set or if they are a little bit rusty or you know they haven't done it in a long time they don't know how interviews are done anymore um and and yeah it's it's a really it's a nice it's a nice part of the role and you do get involved in a lot of things outside of recruitment as well you do get involved a lot in sort of things like employer branding um you know the the, um the wider sort of hr piece the looking at the trends you know within the company you know is there anything that we can do better that sort of wider um engagement piece with with the business there's there's a whole host of things that you can do um when you work internally in a team did you anticipate all of those wider facets no <laughs> did you just think really you know doing doing what i did agent style but actually i'm just going to do it for one one brand now one organization it was it was slightly different at shoes because they um are a bigger company and they they have kind of their processes down a, a little bit more tightly than than what fisher german had um so there was a very sort of defined scope to to the role and it was it was you know very recruitment focused that taught me a lot in terms of obviously that that relationship piece you know integrating yourself with the teams that that taught me that side of things incredibly well fisher german was a, a completely different environment going into it because they um they had sort of dipped their toe into building a, an internal team but this was kind of the first sort of real dedicated right we're, we're doing this um right in the middle of the pandemic so it was it was a very uh, different challenge and it's you there there is there is almost truth to the saying that you, you know you're either going to sink or swim and sometimes you just have to launch yourself into things and just see if it works and i have been launching <laughs> quite quite a bit over the past two and a half years um so just but, before we jump into yeah. kind of um fisher german then i nearly said german fisher again so just before <laughs> we jump into that you you joined so your your career route so far so you were kind of um traditional agency model mm -hmm. then you went into more of a kind of um like kind of more of a kind of consultancy um type environment still agency size still delivering to a client but slightly different kind of model then you went into shoe smiths um your first internal role um you're now at fisher german where you're the talent acquisition manager what what have you done or what is needed from somebody to be able to progress their career through an internal route or through a talent acquisition route? So what, what is it that you think you have done very, very well that has enabled you to move your career forward and, and how has it changed? So part of that will kind of probably come into kind of Fisher German of, you know, going from an established organization to joining one where they needed it to be set up and you've probably been able to lean into what you learn at shoesmiths but beyond just the kind of okay well i joined fisher german to help them kind of set the function up you did your career did also progress while you were at shoesmiths mm -hmm. so you know i guess the question just simply is um what makes a great internal recruiter and, and what have you done that's enabled you to kind of climb that career ladder resilience you have to have a ton of resilience and patience and just just positivity you you know you you will know more more than most that that recruitment has incredible highs and also incredible lows um and they can happen within an hour of each other it, it, you know it's not a it feels like a thankless task yeah. a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. people people have this perception of um either internal or agency it doesn't matter well all you do is post an advert filter oh, through the cvs <laughs> and coordinate some interviews 
and and that that's what people think it is on the face of it and oh gosh if only yeah i i just wrote out a a process map um the other day just on the candidate experience for us and it's got so many boxes you know so many boxes and so many arrows and it's got arrows coming back to boxes that we've been at before because you've got to loop round and do this way and it's so complicated um but you are absolutely damn right you've got to remain positive because if you don't there's no other option (laughs) and you have got to be so resilient it is it is a thankless task There's, there's somebody in my team and um she's been she's been with us now 18 months and she came from um in hr um to kind of she didn't really enjoy the the kind of employee relations side but always enjoyed recruitment came into this mm. and wasn't resilient to begin with and she took everything to heart and, oh, and I, yeah. I just kept having to say to her you've got to let it go you, you know the number of weekends that have been ruined for her because she maybe got a message on a friday and she she just dwell on it all weekend and i'm saying you can't you've got to let it go um mm. so yeah i i completely agree with you um you know resilience is um you need it in in bucket loads um for this role um so what i guess kind of talking about resilience and positivity kind of um some of the kind of i guess characteristics that you need in your profile mm-hmm. but but what are the you know you can you can have all the positivity and resilience in the world but you're not necessarily going to be able to move your career forward so there must be other things that that you've done that have enabled you to to kind of progress your career I think it's incredibly easy that when when you when you start a role and um, there's a process and it, and it works fine and you know the re- the results are coming in and you're you're enjoying things there is a a, a temptation there to leave it you know it it, it works it, it's doing its job I'm happy you know I can I can you know toddle along uh, as it is and that will that will really work for for some companies that will really work for some people it's it's not saying it's it's wrong or right it's just there there is um that side of things but I think for myself I've never been I've never been kind of quite happy with that I've always looked at things and kind of thought well what if we did it this way or I think a lot of what we do at the minute is very um in terms of as, as an internal recruitment industry a lot of it is very client focused and when I say client focused you know your your clients when you work in internal recruitment are your line managers, your stakeholders. Um, for, for me, working in a partnership, the partners. You know, when you're answering to 60, 70 partners on, on kind of what you're doing, you have to know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and by investing in that and kind of getting really behind that, and I cannot emphasize enough that if you understand numbers, if you understand data, if you understand commerciality, if you understand that a business is there at the end of the day to make money, so what can you do to show them that A, you're either saving them money, making them money, or adding value? If you can demonstrate one of those th- three things, I think you'll quickly find that the respect that you get as a function will immediately go up a level um, and, and you'll be able to drive your career forward. Um, you know, interestingly, going back to what we were talking about before, I think this kind of um, aligns really, really well with with what, um, what you were um kind of well what we we were referencing Mm. before really which is um you know that art of recruitment um i think when we're talking about um you know looking at maybe people who might take an internal role versus staying agency side would you know what if you're probably a great salesperson probably stay agency side Mm. because a great salesperson might not necessarily transfer well over to the actual skills that are required from an internal recruiter because as an internal recruiter as you rightly said it's 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 very different because you're you're supporting your internal clients there's a lot more administration that goes on with the role there's a lot more reporting um as you as you really said it's looking at kind of processes what what process do we have what's going to work better what's the roi on anything going to be because ultimately you are a um kind of a cost within the business um you're saving on cost you're saving having to go kind of externally to agency but you're still kind of a cost to the business you're not a 
necessarily a profit making kind of function you don't you're not selling you're not reducing you know um cost of building in whatever it is that, that, that you're making so it's it's kind of understanding all of those you know processes remapping of them um looking at employer brand and how can we better present ourselves yeah again i think there's a big marketing aspect you need to be a great marketeer to work in really agency as well as internal recruitment but absolutely mm. because internally you need to go okay how are we going to promote our brand externally what is our when we're writing our adverts what's the copy going to be when we're writing out our adverts what do we how are we going to talk about how amazing this company is to entice talent or individuals to us so do you think you know if you're a great salesperson you're probably not I'm not going to say you're not going to succeed, but you're probably the wrong type of profile to move to an internal role. Mm. To internal role, you're taking that kind of art of recruitment and you're taking it to the next level. You're you look at every single facet within the recruitment process of how can you be the best at all of those so that you're delivering, you know, um, the service of excellence into your own organization. Yeah, it's it's. You, you can never really fully understand all the different skill sets that you have to have and until you're here you know you, you have to be a negotiator an influencer a marketer. Is no it? it's you know there there is so much um behind it and you know particularly during you know this this economic climate you have to be there to advise the business on, on what they should be doing you know that you have to be there as as an advisor you can't just you know, be there and and be reactive to what the business is telling you because half the time the business doesn't know what it needs. You know, it needs direction, it needs advice. You know, if you've got a, a team, you know, for for example, and you know, we've had it time and time again where they they want a, a particular profile because they know that it that it's worked before. And and when you push them out of that comfort zone a little bit and say, well, why don't you you know try this this and this. And they've tried it and they've thought, oh my God, like this, this works amazing. Like it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about diversity. There's a lot of talk about inclusion, but what isn't sort of um, talked about enough is that, is that diversity of thought. You know, it's not just about the, the clear characteristics. It's about new ideas, fresh perspectives, you know, whether someone has went to university or whether they've went to college or whether they've, you know, done an apprenticeship, all, all of these things factor into to that diversity of, of thought. And when you have a truly diverse team that is set on a goal it, it's it's amazing to see kind of how, how they then come to that goal and how they would have got to it if they had stayed within what they knew and, and what they yeah. what they could be comfortable with but it, it's certainly not a career for the faint-hearted and it's certainly not a career um that you will have an easy life uh you you need to have some passion for it so what do you enjoy about it then? We talk, we spoke about, you know, it can be can be a thankless task as this role, um, doing kind of recruitment. It, it's it's a complicated one. Mm. You obviously enjoy it, you know, what what mm. kind of gives you that buzz to get out of bed on a Monday morning and come into work? Oh gosh, a, a whole host of things. I think it I mean, it has to be the people, firstly. I mean, the the team that we've got here at Fisher German, both kind of HR team and and kind of wider head office function they are incredibly talented um and they they're just so fun to work with you know you kind of come in and you just you know that you're going to have a laugh you know regardless of what happens in the day you you will come away you know just not being um weighed down by by everything else that's happened um and i mean gosh but, you know fisher german when i started there was probably around 500 people in the business there's now just under 800 and a lot of those I can I, I look at and I see and I'm like yeah I, I had a I had a part in that <laughs> I had some sort of involvement with that and it's e- even the growth that we've done over the past few years and the growth that we're continuing to do kind of focusing on you know the people experience and you know making sure that each person that walks through that door has the best experience that they could have you know from way at the start of that attraction piece right to the the end of that cycle it it's it's that that drive and I think just naturally naturally we are ambitious as a company and naturally I'm ambitious as a person and it just marries up so well that 
I never know what's going to happen each day and it's great and I wing it there you know <laughs> there, there it is I absolutely wing my job <laughs> and uh, I very much doubt that Maria will probably that. yell at me for that but uh I do and I just you, you just got to throw yourself into into the challenges and just if it works great if it doesn't then you know what doesn't work yeah um, when when danger of running over so I just want to get I just want to kind of one more thing just before we kind of wrap up um but it was something we were talking about just before we started recording um and again kind of comes up back into that um when you look at the role of, of kind of a recruiter um, and certainly on your side but you know I do it a lot on my side um and it might not be something people maybe relate to being kind of within the job is, is kind of we were talking about um kind of the use of data mm. and you said how you know off air we were talking about how the role has changed over last years and you said one of the key things for you is that that use of data so i just want to kind of address that just before we kind of wrap up so for you why is data analysis getting metrics important to you in your job it's it's about decisions at the end of the day. How on earth can we make decisions as as a function, as an industry, you know, whatever it may be? How can we make those decisions if we don't have the the data to back it up, and if we don't have the understanding, uh, you know, of what's happened previously? It we 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 need to get better at this as as a whole industry, and I, I'm talking about sort of the the HR and and recruitment industry as a whole. How how can we expect to get buy in at board level and partnership level if we're coming? to them saying we think it'd be a great idea to do this and they say why and we have nothing to back it up apart from you know oh it, it it'll be great <laughs> it, it just it doesn't work and I think we need to get better at it and I I personally love that side of things I, I love a, a little bit of data analytics and I love uh, working with numbers a little bit but it has helped immeasurably in my role not me to get certain things through that perhaps would have been a, a slight struggle if I hadn't been able to look at point them to numbers and saying, look, if we do this, it will mean this. If we don't do this, it will mean this. And here is the the information to back that up. And I, I just anyone who's working in, in internal recruitment or, or HR and if they're struggling to to get uh, initiatives through or, or change through, I would highly recommend they look at what data they have behind their um initiatives it's really interesting you say that because that's the exact reason i use it for it's to um for, for a negotiation piece really you know anybody who kind of wants to work with us who hasn't worked with us before and, and i'm very conscious a lot of people are kind of hesitant about engaging with a recruiter because of you know various reasons <laughs> and bad, the bad reputation we've got but I like to then give them the the data and say, well, you know, this if you if you want to kind of partner with us, you want to use our services. Here's some reassurances of the data that, you know, our metrics and it and it kind of puts them at mind because I'm basically, you know, somebody could say, well, you've made that up, and you know, I'd have to sit down and go through all of the the kind of the the calculations with them of it. But ultimately, it's there to go. Look, this is what we do. This is you know, ninety four percent success rate in people lasting beyond the first year. 80% of our roles fill through our kind of network on LinkedIn. That is the value of, of kind of, you know, using a specialist recruiter. And it's exactly the same. So I find it really interesting that you said that because it's exactly the same. You know, like you say, you might be trying to get some some budget stretch or you might be trying to, um, you know, let's use a, let's move to a new ATS or um, let's go with a new job board or recruit a LinkedIn license, whatever it may be. And if you go, wow, that's quite a, you know, hefty cost up front. We can provide them the metrics of, well, it is, but look at the return on investment and look how much it's then going to save us or how many more roles will fill off the back of that. And then, map, you know, map that if you do then kind of go with the purchase and map it back and say, this is how much it did save us or, you know, this is how many more kind of CVs that we got through and this is our kind of future talent pipeline. If you're not able to narrate all of that back to those decision makers, then they're just they're own to just take your word on it and that you know yeah. these these people make decisions on on data um from other aspects of the business so if, you know you should be doing it just as much yeah exactly they're, you're not going to get any buy-in if you if you don't speak their language and their language is commerciality so yeah, yeah. i would absolutely agree amazing well look thank you so much i think 
if anybody was looking to get into recruitment or wondered about you know maybe sat in hr thinking what do they do over there <laughs> maybe that's lifted the lid on it maybe somebody's in agency and wondering about a career in internal and and you know what are the differences would it be something that suited them i'd like to think we've covered off a lot of that over the the kind of the past hour um but it's been interesting to hear kind of you and your own story as well so you know trish thank you so much for for coming on and being a guest no thank you for having me and as i say if anyone does have any questions then they can find me on linkedin where else would a recruiter be taking the words out of me that was gonna, <laughs> yeah well yeah very good point if you're not on recruit if you're not on linkedin as a recruiter well i don't know what you're doing um but yeah, I'll, yeah oh you're you're very good at doing it in a different way and please get in touch and share that with me because you know again open to new ideas all the time um but yeah I, so when this goes out i'll kind of tag you on linkedin so people can kind of connect with you and uh, and ask you any questions if they want but yeah finally trish thank you so much thank you and there's another show in the bag i hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening We've received so much feedback from people who have said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specializing in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards but continuously driving those standards higher. We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six month, 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.